things. Yeah, these talks are on the website too. I sent them to the website guy. So you can always download them. Uh, let's see. We're talking tonight, just like the last few nights, in the frame of AA, of recovery. Because to me, AA um, presents the problem beautifully. We're just, like I said before, most, the, the, the initial disease, if you want to call it that, is self-centeredness. And then we're like a subdivision, an extreme subdivision called alcoholism. But the, the same format is in place, except our format tend to go out farther than most people's, yeah? It goes to a more of an extreme case. So, in other words, it's like uh, your life is painted with a broader stroke. It's easy to recognize. Some people, it's not so easy to recognize. They've been following the rules, and they've been doing what they were told, and they get the things, the perks that were, that were offered, and uh, their idea of peace may be that is not that chaotic, yeah? And so they have a certain sense of, of um, let's say, let's say, I wouldn't say complacency, but they're content. Yeah. But alcoholics aren't the contented type. Yeah. They're, they got a little bug up their ass, and then they, and they're always seemingly seeking, and, and they're irritable and restless and discontent. And uh, but even when they find, they can't seem to enjoy what they've been looking for. Yeah. So this disease of alcoholism, the way we were taught, in, at least where I was from, I was taught that out of the book that it's obsession with self. And I looked at that with a lot of sincerity for nine years, eight or nine years in my first years of sobriety. But I had a different conclusion come over me, that it was an obsession with self, that that's actually the uh, how the mind, the conditional mind, Identified as self reinforces the identification. It obsesses over the act, the fact that it's all about you, and that gives the illusion that it's about you. Yeah. Without the narrative, the daily narrative, the sense of being who you are wouldn't have such a tight fit. It's like it needs to have a like a, a fresh application or a fresh glue to keep the bondage to self. Yeah. Because there's a lot of times we have tons of free samples during the day when we're, the absence of self is available. I mean, because it's basically the state that we're actually in. The state we're actually in is the absence of being a self. Yeah. So it has to be a made-up presence, and for that presence to seem to be present, it has to be reapplied quite a lot, yeah? Because it's not present. Yeah. The presence doesn't need any application. It needs an invitation, basically, to sort of entertain it, yeah? But the absence needs constant uh, application to seem to be present. So how that application is delivered to create the sense or make the sense of being present is thought, the thought system. Yeah. So the thought system is almost like a radio. You know, you hear thoughts, don't you? There's a seeing of them, but a hearing them, and they sound like they're yours. You know, they sound like they're your voice. So that that's like K Paul or K Steve or K Mary, and it's playing. And it's informing us, and it has public announcements and news and History Channel, and then, and then it has like the, the forecasters, you know, the, like the astrologists, how it's going to be for you, all like that, constantly going on 24-7, and all the while its central point is that there's a you, yeah? And so 
every time we feel the verb of living, or we, the mind becomes aware or conscious of the verb of living, which is conscious contact. Like in recovery, we say, uh, I think it's improve our conscious contact, but in fact, my feeling is we are conscious contact. Yeah. In other words, there must be something that sees the thought. Yeah? Not something as a noun, as you, but some. There must be, well, I like to call it nothing that sees the thought. Spirit, or awareness, or consciousness that sees the thought. Yes? Something like when, you're, when there's a thought going on in our heads, there's a, there's a seeing of it, yeah? Or there wouldn't be any acknowledgement of the thought. And the seeing of it is very rarely, like, investigated. It's taken to be us. The mind says, that's me, yeah? So it's me seeing the thought. Me, Paul, meaning this. That's a big leap, yeah? In fact, because really the act is seeing. There's an awareness that nothing else goes beyond, it seems, yeah? Whatever arises never rises behind it. It's always being seen, yeah? All the feelings that ever, have ever been noted yeah, in this apparatus have been noted by a story called by you. Yeah? The noted is happening. That, to me, is the conscious contact. The by you is the interpretation. The mind interprets the conscious contact and says, you're the one who's doing it or it's happening to you as this. Yeah? And so when... The conscious contact is claimed, so here's the conscious contact. Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and then you see thoughts like, you know, you would see a bird fly by this window with an eye, you see thoughts in one's head. That is conscious contact. The mental process notes that conscious contact and then suddenly claims it. It says, I'm the one who's in contact, meaning this. Instead of nothingness representing or consciousness or awareness being what's living here, it becomes us as a body that's living here. But actually, if you want to get it closer, it would be more like life is living through, let's say. That this, this is almost like a set of lenses that light or consciousness can move through and then it can see a kaleidoscope of a world, yeah? It's like undifferentiated light, which is, I would say, I would call spirit, moves through this object, and then it sees differentiation, yeah? But what happens when this light's moving through this object, the mental process is a, becomes aware of it, or notes it, or recognizes it, and then has a really beautiful move, it claims it. It says, I'm the one who's seeing. I'm the one who's feeling. But you know that, like, some people, when a feeling happens, and they say, I didn't want to feel that, you see? The opinion that I didn't want to feel it came later than the feeling, yes? The seeing, oh, I didn't want to see that freaking bird, but you saw the bird. I hate hearing that noise, but you heard the noise first, yes? The noise came first, the hearing of the noise, the seeing of the bird, the feeling of the feeling came first, and then there's a secondary process of claiming it, yeah, and interpreting it. I think that's where most of our attention and interest is went to. It's the secondary story, yeah? The initial story is the fuel or the basis the secondary story gets built on. So instead of seeing that life is happening, it's seen as life is happening to me, yeah? And, and that's called self-centeredness, yeah? So the thought system that 
seems to be navigating our life for us, telling us about our life, yes, informing us about everything, is called centered on self. So everything tends to be, is seen as it pertains to you. But the you is a product of the mental process. It's not you. It's a you. Yeah? It's everything is seen as how it pertains to a you. If you believe it's you, then the a drops off, and now it's you. And now your interest and attention keeps, whenever it meets anything, it brings everything it meets back to one point, you. Yeah? So thousands of, let's say, experiences happen today, but there's only one feeling I'm, that it's you that's experienced all of them. The you as this, yes? Well, if you really sense this, this is an experience that something's happening, having, isn't it? Aren't you having an experience of the body? And yet, when we claim the experience of everything else, we're actually claiming it as if the body had it. But just by sitting here, I'm having a lot of experiences of the body. Yeah, There's maybe a pain in my ankle, or maybe I have to take a poop, who knows, this and that. Blood's moving, the breath, I can hear it. Oh, like there's something maybe ringing in my ear. So there's tons of experience of the body. But it's, ha- it's very difficult to assume the body's having it, an experience of itself. Yeah. I would say there's something prior to the body that's experiencing the body. Yeah? Or being aware of the body. And then, after, and then, but we put the body as that. And so in this disease of self-centeredness, it's just that. All our attention and interest, all our awareness about life is fixed in this position of Paul as the one who's having the experiences. And as soon as Paul claims the experience, what does Paul do? It thinks about the experience. It makes it good and bad, yes or no, high or low. I don't like that experience, so I want more of that experience. And then all this mental agitation occurs. And all we want is peace. We want peace of mind, like it says in uh, page 63, you'll be able to enjoy peace of mind. Peace of mind is available, but we can't enjoy it. We're too agitated, yes? Why are we agitated? By By the identification with something that we're not. And this this is a thing to worry a lot about. <laughs> you know what I mean? It may not be good enough in your life. It may not be as nice looking as you'd want. It may not be as healthy as you thought you should have. It may not be living in the right location that you think it should be. And this body should be in Hawaii, but it isn't. It's in New Jersey. Yeah. So if there's not a recognition that, hey, I'm in New Jersey, your mind will immediately go to, I should be in Hawaii which makes New Jersey even more hellish than it possibly could be. I'm not saying it's hellish, but I'm saying it can make New Jersey more hellish than it possibly could be. Because you don't think you need to be here, yet you're here. It's happened. When you were young, I was like, I wasn't from an abusive situation. So between two and four were like my golden years. I mean, because at that point, when I was young, the, the selfing hadn't turned into concrete yet. It hadn't, like, coagulated yet. So when I was playing, all there was was playing going on. There wasn't a narrator going, oh, I'm playing. I didn't, have any, I didn't need a mind to point out what was happening, because it was happening. Yeah? And then it, didn't, it wasn't worrying about, will I be playing next week, because I didn't have a concept of next week yet. And I didn't walk around my house and start 
measuring the rooms and say, these are too small. I need a much bigger room than this. And you know, my mother is quite ugly, quite on the plain side. I wish I had a nicer mother, looking mother. My father's not kicking down enough money in this household. No, I was just an acceptance because my mind didn't, didn't entertain it could be any other way. Yeah? That's a real joy in a sense. When you can entertain this, could be, it cannot be any other way right now than this. This is what's called... Acceptance isn't like a, a commodity that you get and then you apply when you want to or not. It's not like a tool that you have and I'm, I'll accept this and I won't accept that. Acceptance is a byproduct of being awake. Yeah? When you're awake, you realize inherently there's nothing else but this that's appearing right now. So you have an immunity to what's not happening. And most of your thoughts are truly about what's not happening. They're not about now at all. Because there's not much to think about now. This is, it's already being presented. Yes? You know? You may think, oh, you can may have a hundred different options about next week, but you can't have that many options about now. Really. This is what's happening. Yeah? You may not like it, and so you may just discard that it's happening, but... It doesn't have many options, but what's not happening has millions of options. You could be doing something totally different next Friday than what you're doing now. Totally. Yes? And so the mind has the ability... In what's not happening, the mind does what it likes to do. It thinks. Yes? It has tons of thoughts. And so let's say here, right now, something is important to me. Yeah. Like money. And I may have money right now. Let's say it's important to me in my head. So what it does is it takes that idea of the importance of money and it puts it into the future and it imagines in the future I won't have any money. Yeah? And so what, what is provoked by this fixation is anxiety now, even though I'm rich right this moment, I'm not living as if I'm rich because I believe I won't be rich a week from now. Yeah? And what does, my, what does my head do when it's in control of the situation? It thinks about it. Yeah? When it's managing this life, which is imaginary right now, because it's all about what's not happening, it manages, and how does it manage? It thinks about it, yeah? It thinks over and over again. How can I stop this from possibly happening? Maybe acknowledging it isn't. I mean, that would be a nice leap. But no, it never goes there. It just fixates on it. And then it starts creating plans and making ideas and then fallback situations. <laughs> I can borrow money from Uncle Fred. I can do this. I'll, have, <laughs> I'll sell my car, my, my, my marriage, my wedding ring. Oh, yeah, okay. Now you get a pseudo-security about a threat that's not even happening. And on and on it goes. It starts producing effects that it gives a solution to so that you can get relief from an imaginary effect. So you feel so good. Man, I thought that through. That fear about what's not happening this week is over now. I've managed it really well. Yeah? Let me see. What else is it that could possibly happen to me? On and on. There's millions of topics. And it can be moved constantly. Yeah. <laughs> the mind's unbelievable. But see, it's, it can be stopped. Selfing is a verb. You can startle it into submission. It stops quite a lot. Yes? And once it stops, to me, that's a pause. Sometimes we need a grace experience of pause, but if you entertain what a pause is, it will become more and more a happening in one's life. 
Yeah? And you'll actually get the flavor of a pause when a lot of things are going on. You'll still get the flavor of the pause. So you'll have a sense of, of uh, restraint, like it says in the book, of pen and tongue, restraint of action, yeah? in a lot of activity. There'll still be a restraint there, so as, as something comes up and is perceived to be a threat, which it may not be, your first reaction is to rely on self, there's a pause, and then your little dial moves a little bit farther and relies on, let's say, what we call the higher power. Yeah? And then, some info and some uh, a solution shoot, falls into this chute, manifests, and you get the reward. And it makes an incredible impact. Yes? And you start learning the value of this system. And you start honoring it. You honor it. So when a miracle does happen, you don't forget about it in an hour or two and get back into resenting. Well, I should have had two miracles today. No, you actually enjoy the miracle. You enjoy it, and, you, and at that point, you erect like a temple, in a sense. You honor it with your attention and interest so that bondage to self can start to be broken, so that the reliance on self is broken, so that the managing, that incessant disease to control and seek and manage is seen not to be you. And if you see it as not you, then you'll lose interest in it. You will lose interest in it. And you don't lose interest, you lose interest in it. Yeah? Interest and attention isn't a commodity that runs out. It's always available. There's tons of it. What you do when you lose it is you lose it in a certain thing, or a certain idea, or a certain fixation. That's not losing interest. It sort of gets taken out of that and put somewhere else where it will produce an effect. Just like when, like we said the other day, this is really, to me, really important. Because people make faith like something they don't have that they're going to have to acquire and cultivate. Which to me is just playing God more and more. Yeah? You're going to play God and manage and cultivate faith. For me, it works so much better when I realize I have tons of faith and everyone in this room has tons of faith. But this place is a place of manifestation right here. Yeah? Things manifest. Have you noticed? Manifest. More and more things just happen. One action begets another reaction. And on and on. Manifest, manifest, manifest. Yes? So for me, I believe faith appears here by the vehicle it's put in. So if you put faith in the system of reliance on self, what that faith is going to produce in your life is anxiety. You're going to believe the thoughts about what's not happening. Yeah? You're going to take that threat that's truly imaginary as a real threat. Yeah? And that's going to be an anxious way of traveling all day. That same faith, if I surrender it over to this other power, let's say if you want to call the surrender the act of just honoring the pause when it's available, which is really at all times, but if you have to have some free samples when a pause occurs, honor that. Because at that point, the transfer is really being sped up. You're transferring a life resting on self to a life resting on something greater than self. Yeah, it's really speeding it up. And if you honor that, the habit of selfing will be broken, and the new habit will take its place. Just like we know in AA, the, the most important year is the first year. Yeah? Because the habits get created. My whole recovery now is based on the, year, the first year of habits that were produced when I came to AA. I'm just riding that same wave, yeah? 
It's the same thing. If those first year, those habits, the same point. It's like when that faith in mind is broken and given to this other thing, what would be called anxiety, this calls, produces abidance or resting in truth. It's the same, same energy. And we all have it. It's just how does it get uh, invested? Yeah? Is it, are you investing it in the thought system that's proven to be totally unreliable? Or are you going to invest it in another system of life that's been introduced to us, which constantly proves itself to be reliable? One, the same energy will, will produce anxiety and agitation. The same energy will produce uh, a, an ability to enjoy peace of mind, to abide in this place, because time will not have the overwhelming interest anymore. You will actually take this moment to be the most important bit of time at all times, because it's the only one that's showing up right now. Yeah? <laughs> And then hopefully, if this starts working for you, then you're just going to be you're going to be in that state of giving it away. But and that's how you have it. Yeah, you have this by giving it away. Once you claim it, you lose it. Once you privatize it, it's lost. Yes. But once you're just willing to be of service, then that's what happens. You get to have what causes the being of service. Yeah, which is availability and presence. Yes, availability and presence. So finally. What I've been looking for as me being totally present, yeah. which I could never find, I didn't realize that my being present causes it to seem to be absent. No matter where I look, someone says it's in the Himalayas, I get there, it's not there. Someone says it's in the Kabbalah, I go there, it's not there. Someone says it's in Zen, I go there, it's not there. Someone says, I'll go back to Catholicism, I go there, it's not there. Wherever I look, wherever I show up, it's not there. But when it's the, the absence of me is the presence. And then you realize there's no need to go anywhere. You're going to go places because we're an action figure here. Yeah? We're like action figures. We're gonna do, actions are going to happen. Events are going to occur. But there won't be any need and there won't be any pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You are that rainbow. You'll be, you'll be spending it right at the end of the rainbow. You'll be living from the pot of gold instead of looking for it. Yeah? Then you can share some of the gold with others. Yeah, yeah. The gold is what produces the rainbow, not the rainbow produces the gold. So, so uh, let's see what's happening. You know, I pretty much shot my wad the last few days. What, what was it, Friday, Saturday? Three of them? It's hard to invite you anymore because then it turns into something else, yeah? It's just an invitation. An invitation, how long does it take to read an invitation? How long does it take to receive an invitation? Not long. It, you know, most invitations aren't 800 pages, are they? Hopefully not. Or 100 pages. An invitation is just to incite something, to sort of excite something in, in the receiver of it. Like, oh, there's going to be a great party next week. All right. So here we are. All we're saying is the invitation is now. Right now. This consciousness right where you're sitting, yeah? Isn't seeing being demonstrated? You're seeing this object that you would call Paul. I'm seeing this object that I would call, let's say, Steve. But the same activity from both points is the same activity, seeing. Yeah. And you can compound it to 800 points, it's the same activity, seeing. 8 billion, same activity, seeing. Really, all there is is seeing going on. Yeah. 
the mind changes the fact, the simple, the self-centeredness has the exact same maneuver. It claims it, and all it does is change the name. It claims it from this object, calls it Paul, claims it from that object, calls it whoever, claims it from that object, calls it Marianne. That's the only difference. The only difference, it's a mental process claiming consciousness and taking itself to be the doer of it. Yeah? The relief and the true freedom is when you backstep it and entertain, I may not be that, and then you get a sense of what you really are, which is the seeing. And when the seeing starts occurring, what it's seeing through seems to travel lighter. Yes? When you're aware of the seeing occurring, the what it is coming through seems to travel lighter over time. Yes? Just, it just chills you out because a thought's so heavy when it means something to you, doesn't it? Let's say you see a guy, 50 guys, but that one guy must, may mean a lot to you. The other 49 you care less. Yes? You see the difference in weight? You give it the meaning. Every one of us gives so much meaning here all day. We're constantly plastering meaning onto things and then believing they're that inherent meaning. It's all made up. It's like we're having a dream, yeah? We're not having it. We're actually an object in the dream. So let's say here. I used to tell you this. I tell this story in the other talks. Let's say there's a lion, and uh, there's a cub and a, and a mother, and the mother and the cub are running around, and the mother's trying to teach the cub what it's like to be a lion and stuff. And then something happens, and the mother gets killed. So now the young cub is left alone. So it's roaming around, and it sees a big herd of sheep. So it runs after the herd of sheep. Now the sheep think, no, it's a lion. So the lion flips them out. But the lion actually doesn't know what the hell it is. So it's, it gets to the sheep, and the sheep realize this thing doesn't even know what it is. So they adopt the, the lion. And so now the lion attempts to become a sheep, yeah? to live the best sheep life it can be. And so it's sitting around, you know, and everyone's talking about who's going to be the next sweater, and it's feigning interest. Yes. I hope it's not you. Yes, I really, I like that look. You know? And it's, you know, it's barring and chewing cud and running around with the herd, and it's probably feeling a little irritable, restless, and discontent, but it doesn't know. And it keeps taking the sheep ideas, go to school, you know, enter sports, do this, do that, but nothing seems to be changing that irritability. And then one day, it's running around with the herd of lions, and then a, an old lion comes down and starts looking at the herd of sheep to eat something. So it starts running after the herd, and it sees this other lion at the side of its eye, and it goes, wow, another lion's joining the hunt, so it's running. But then it realizes the young lion's running with the sheep. So it goes, wait a minute, he runs over and grabs the young lion. And the young lion rolls over his back and goes, please, Mr. Lion, don't eat me, don't eat me. And the lion's very perplexed and grabs it and drags it over to this pond of water. And he just takes the, both the heads and sticks it out. And when the young lion sees its reflection, that it matches the other lion's reflections, what happens? It gets that it's a lion. Yeah? It doesn't have to take a three-month workshop to get that it's a lion. It, and all the years of thinking and entertaining and living as if it was a sheep are dismissed like that. Five years, 30 years, 80 years, it doesn't matter how much, there's the same dismissal. Because as soon as it wakes up, it realizes. Yes? So now it gets to be like, it gets that it's a lion. So the old lion looks at him and says, roar, and it immediately roars. Yeah? It doesn't sound like a fire at all. Just roars. Just roars like that. This is sort of what it's like. 
It's not like an event that's going to maybe last forever, but every moment that happens, it's like recognizing your lion. That's all. Yeah? And then the bondage to be believing in the sheep life and believing you're a sheep gets broken. Maybe immediately, or maybe sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly, but it will weaken. Yes? And you'll realize the problem by the solution. When you start feeling the absence of self, you realize that was the problem. Simple as that. It isn't what you haven't got or you missed or you didn't study enough of. All of that is a story. Yes? To hide out the basic inadequacy. Because that thing can never be what you are. Self, the idea that your mind has of you can never be close to what you are. So what it does is it says you're far from it all the time. Yeah? You're a work in progress. No, you're not. So... I entertained it, I hate that word I, but the language is difficult to share, you know. Let's say there's an entertaining of it, and the feeling for me is just the emphasis used to be on selfing, like 9900%, like 300 watt, and a very little emphasis on absence of selfing, and then what happened in the emphasis shift. Now it's on the absence of selfing, and very little on the selfing. It's, it's like the difference between day and night. It's just the emphasis. It's just like the faith. The faith has shifted. I have no faith in the thought system. It, has, it, it is an incredible failure. It cannot judge you correctly. It cannot judge anything correctly. Yes? Yet it has a drive to be right. It wants to be right, even though it doesn't know, it will act as if it does know. It has a resistance to all evidence contrary to its beliefs. Look at what happens in AA. We're out, we have a disease, but see, alcoholism you cannot see on an x-ray. You can't see alcoholism on an x-ray. You may see its effects, like on the liver and stuff, but you cannot see alcoholism on an x-ray or, or, or a scan or an MRI. It's not, you can't pick it up. It's in the thinking. It's on a very subtle level. Yes? And if, just if, alcoholism is a disease of the thought process, then the mental process that produces self if it hasn't been infected with alcoholism, it will, co- it will produce what we call an alcoholic self. Yes? And so you're going to be extremely obsessed about you. Extremely obsessed about you. And most of us have a sort of negative slant. Like all the times I think about me, I think there's something wrong about me. I very rarely think I'm fine. It's always like a suspicion that something is inherently bad and if I hang out long enough, or if I spend enough time with people, they'll find out. Yeah? <laughs> and that will be the end of me. I will do almost anything for that not to happen. I will leave relationships, whatever. When, it, when it, the fire gets a little too hot, bye-bye, because it's unbearable. And what I, I'm telling you, living on the edge for me was not getting shot at and you know, overdosing. It was sitting in a room and being loved unconditionally. You cannot believe what would come up in the system of thought when I was receiving love unconditionally, the feeling of not deserving it, not having accrued enough value to receive it, and the first thing I wanted to do is get out of there. Getting shot at meant nothing to me, but unconditional love or going to a job interview, forget about it. It was way overboard. So this whole system... It's like if, if the system was yellow, 
Everything you see, everything you feel, everything you taste, every experience you have is tinted with it, yeah? No matter if the color could be blue, it's, it's washed with yellow. No matter if it's like love, it's washed with yellow. No matter if it's acknowledgement, it's washed with it, yellow. Whatever it comes, all the different colors of life, however they present themselves, it's washed with yellow, yeah? This tint of self-centeredness. And so you get a very distorted view of life. And usually you end up being alone and right, you know. <laughs> and it isn't that satisfying. Yeah. And yet, what else do you have to go on? What else have, can you rely on? You so are relied on it, you're identified as it. You cannot entertain being free of it. That's way past that point. Yeah. And if you think obsession is bad, identification is way past obsession. Obsession is like child's play to an identification. Yeah? You're extremely down the charts. You don't even know you're identified. Like we said the other night, I loved Coke, but I never thought I was Coke. <laughs> you know, I never became what I was doing. But most of us are selfing, the mind's selfing, and we have become the central point of that selfing. We have become identified as a self. Whoa, and now that self thinks it has obsessions. <laughs> it's like Dracula going on the vampire hunts with you. <laughs> oh, I'll kill all the vampires I ever meet. It's the best way to hide the big vampire, yeah? So in recovery, you know, it says we got to let go of our old ideas. What's well, the oldest idea? The oldest idea argues yourself. Isn't it? That's the oldest idea. And how it, how it verifies that, it is identified as a body. There you go. Now the system is self-centered. Everything pertains to this. So when I meet something, I meet tons of things, but only one person meets them. Yes, I think I have 40 problems, but there's only one problem haver. Haven't you noticed that? You have 40 problems. Maybe it's going to be difficult to slog through 40 problems, why not just look at the one who has the problems? Maybe if the one who has the problems isn't you, you would have a new view of all the 40 problems. Yeah? Could be. Because I'll tell you, a problem's different than when it's my problem. I don't care about a problem if it's yours, really. But the same problem, if it's mine, it's huge. <laughs> you know what I mean? Really. I mean, I may have sympathy for you when you talk about your problem, but it doesn't have an impact. But that pro same problem, if it's mine, it's unbelievable. You're going to get a call every night. I just got this big problem. But I just talked to you about it, the same problem. But it was yours before. This is my problem. You see the difference? It's all rooted in this movement of selfing. All the flavors that we find that produce disease or find discomfort in, they're all rooted back. Like in recovery it says, you know, if someone affects you or does this, you will invariably find that you made a decision based on self that puts you in a position to be hurt. Yeah? You will invariably find. All, leads, all roads lead to Rome, so to speak. Yeah? So when I discover that, why leave Rome? You know, let's see if the, let's, let's see what's happening in Rome. If all lead, roads lead to Rome, let's find out what Rome is. Yeah. So when I was introduced to the idea, I never left the idea. First, I never left the idea of obsession with self, and then when I entertained the identification of self, it became my last answer. Yeah. And I haven't had a new one since. I don't know how many years now. Yeah. Because that's what you're looking for, isn't it? 
I don't want knowledge of self. All I want is that I'm not self. That's the only knowledge I want. Yeah? Everything I've learned about self just distills into that. I'm not that. Yeah? That's the whole value in it. The whole value in all self-knowledge is hopefully it leads you to the distillation that I'm not that. Simple as that. It hits you like it's beautiful. I'm not that. You know what? That's fine. It's like the dog's off the leash, in a way. Yeah? And you don't know how much strain there was going on until you're released. You don't know how much strain there is until you're released. You just don't know. You may have tons of stories about what you think the strain is, but when you're released, you'll know immediately what it was. And it wasn't what you thought, yeah? It was just a preoccupation with you all freaking day. Yeah? The total self-interest just absorbed, that nauseam. How am I doing? It can be applied to a job, to addiction, to recovery. Same, same. Yeah? Selfing can't get out of self. It's such a beautiful message. So what are you left with? Nothing, which turns into everything. Yeah? You'll know yourself, not as a noun, but as a verb. Seeing. You know? Conscious, aware. Light. Yeah? On. On this, let's say. Light. Not a body, but light. Awareness. And then you see... Let's say if you wanted to call it a part of your body, your interest and attention is like the arms and legs of your new body. Where your interest and attention goes, that's your contact, yes? You have the largest reach of all. It's not based on the length of your arm, but your interest and attention. Yeah? You can reach the stars with your interest and attention. You can only reach not even the ceiling with your arms, yeah? When that gets freed from the preoccupation with this, you don't know what it will bring back to you. You don't know what's going to happen in this world. You're in a point of finding out instead of knowing. You know how the mind wants to know at all costs? It finds a security in knowing. It's afraid to show up for a day. So if it says, I know the day's going to suck, it feels better. Doesn't it? It gets some kind of weird relief to think it knows what's going to happen. Yeah? I know the day's going to suck. And it wants to be right, so basically the interpretation of that day will, it will be that it sucked. I've had people, I was hell-bent on leaving this woman. I lived with her in Australia. And for all intents and purposes, if there was a surveillance tape, I looked happy as hell. She had no idea that I was so unhappy, because I wasn't. I wasn't unhappy. My story was that I was unhappy. Yeah? But basically, I was smiling, I was doing great for months, but, and so everyone was very surprised when I flipped out finally. I've been having a terrible time for six months. And they were like, no, you haven't. <laughs> but I said, no, I have been. No, you haven't. I was with you that day we went here. But I was, you see. It will override your own experience in life. It will. It will override your own experience in life. You won't even be able to trust yourself anymore. You won't even be able to trust that you know what you like or don't like. It will just tell a story that's so completely foreign to what's actually going on with you right now, and yet you will override the evidence of what's going on now and believe the story. And then sell it to people. You know? That's why we have so many big phone bills and everything. It's in the convincing of others that we make, that we make it seem like it's real. If I can convince someone else that I'm really fucked, then I can feel like I'm really fucked. And we do it... We, we, 
we co-sign a lot of stuff in recovery. People are calling and running their shit, and it turns into therapy. Fuck. <laughs> it does. Our desire to help gets morphed into a way of, to support the sickness, really. We end up supporting the sickness with a desire to help. I mean, it, I do people a disservice if I try to save them from their bottoms. I do. If they don't want a suggestion, bye. Because there is no sponsoring without the verb sponsoring. There's no sponsor or sponsee without the verb of sponsoring. There is no sponsoring. There is no sponsor or sponsee without the verb of sponsoring. The verb makes it makes the nouns. Yeah. If there's no suggestions being taken, nothing's going on. But I don't want to be hard on them. I've been going too long. I'm going to get into opinions soon. It's no good. I have very strong opinions about that because, you know, people want to have a name-only thing. Yes? But the whole point, an old man, Dr. Gill in San Francisco, he was my sponsor, and he used to sit down and say, listen, Paul, I'm not your sponsor, and you're not my sponsee. All there is is sponsoring. That's what's going on. You're going to be sponsored all day as you live your day. You're sponsored at the meetings. You're sponsored constantly. It's the act of participating is the sponsoring. Yeah? Without that, with a suggestion given and not taken, there's no sponsoring. So. Any questions tonight? We can go there. I don't want to beat a dead horse. Yeah. This is a message. This is not a fucking practice. You have a practice already called the 12 Steps. This is a message to hopefully to infuse the practice with a little more understanding and light, yeah? That may lead, the practice may be able to expand on the freedom that's available. But it's not a practice. This is not something you practice. It's something you hear and you let it in and let it do its thing. And it will illuminate your practice. The practice, the functioning is already there, yes? We have AA. That's the functioning. Yeah? We're not giving any new functioning. We want to infuse the functioning with maybe a clearer understanding of what the disease actually is and what it isn't, so that we don't spend a lot of time buying cold medicine when we have the flu, yeah? so that we can recognize what's going on. And so the function, we have it. We have a very beautiful way of life with sound principles. They work. Yes, but the living of that life can change. It can be illuminated. We can entertain new ideas. Just like it says, we know but a little, but people who come after us will add on to it. And this idea of people going, saying no to things just because they believe it's not AA is to me insane. It's like someone drowning and will only receive a, a red light preserver. If you throw them a green one, no, no. That's not it. That's not it. No, this is not about the functioning, the functioning you have. You've been introduced to an incredible program. It's about illumination of the functioning. It's about infusing it with an understanding that may illuminate some of the things that weren't seemingly clear. You illuminate it. And when I found it, it illuminated the problem for me because it isn't obsession with self. It isn't that. It's identification as the object you're obsessed over. It's a much deeper situation, as you know. Yeah? The obsession seems to have a life of its own, doesn't it? 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 
the obsession just keeps resuscitating itself. It keeps reinvigorating itself. How could it do that? How could it do that? How could the barnacle keep living without the rock to be stuck on? Our obsession is stuck on the rock of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It's giving the barnacle all the life it has. We're trying to pick and trying to open the barnacle or do something to it. Instead of just, if you remove the rock, there's nowhere the barnacle can grab onto. The obsession is with self. Yeah? The obsession needs self to bond onto. If you take the idea of being the one who's obsessed, or the ones who suffering from the obsession, the obsession di- diminishes. And in its diminishing, you know you're onto something. That's the truth. It isn't a false, it isn't something that you have to have faith in. It's, it is a, it produces the goods. And it's just a recognition. Aha! Through the working of it, you will know it. Yeah? So when the rock is taken out, the barnacles have nowhere to bind to. Yes? The idea of the obsession is not just obsessing over nothing. It has a purpose. The purpose is to reinforce the identification with the rock. Yes? If you take the rock away, there will be no purpose to it after a while, and it will lose, it will lose its juice, and you will be the better for it. Yes? Because you'll be more available and sense the presence that all of us are. Instead of having our own little private Idaho up there, driving ourselves crazy, all about what's not happening. We will be the act of happening. But not as the rock having it done to or coming from, but as the verb of conscious contact. How do you know consciousness? Really, there must be something to see, to hear, to have a sense of being on. That, That ignition has been claimed. We're not getting the effect of being conscious. We're getting the effect of a story about who or what is conscious, which causes us to be unconscious. Isn't it? We're t- no matter how hyper-conscious we're about us and our thoughts, and maybe you know exactly why and how you feel about something, but in a sense it never gets to the root. It doesn't get to the root. Now you're super-conscious, but as what? As what you're not. This is about, if we lose interest in that hyper-conscious of me, then the consciousness spreads out and you get a different sense of it. Yeah? So, there's no one who has an obsession. There's just mental obsessions. And so if you see it as just a mental obsession, when someone shares about, quote-unquote, their mental obsession, you'll be open to learn about the mental obsession. Because it's not their mental obsession, it's just the mental obsession. And it may not be a strain of mental obsession you know, but all the mental obsessions have the same center, which is self. And you can learn now, instead of thinking you know or that I'm different. Oh, I don't, you'll know because the same principles in all obsession. All obsession is the feeling that there's someone obsessed. Yeah? The obsession with spirit is the feeling that there's someone obsessed. The self is it. Yeah? That's the true obsession. 
It's this constant taking every verb that's ever seen in our lives and then stuck on a noun called me. That is the real obsession. And we don't even know it because it's so full on going on, you don't even recognize it as an obsession. You think it's you. <laughs> it's insanity. You're so acutely aware of other obsessions, but you don't know what's aware of that's an obsession. Fucking full blore. I mean, to think all to, to, to have a tractor beam that takes every thought that goes by and puts it in orbit around you is a fucking obsession. Oh, let me tell you about the newest obsession. No, let's go to the oldest obsession. Go to that and you'll see what happens with all your other obsessions. They're all based on the one obsession. Yeah? Their clinging power isn't because it's a juicy obsession, it's you. The first obsession has this one side that has, it receives all the glue of all the other activities it sees. Sticks them on there. Oh, I've got a new obsession this week. Oh, another one. Oh, yeah. If not, then obsessions, if they were had glued, they'd glue on everyone. Everyone would be glued with it. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the planet Paul is the gravitational pull. Not the thoughts that are flying around. They don't have any designed orbit. They come and go. We create the design orbit. We don't create, we make it by pulling them in with the word my. You claim it, and then you bitch about what you claim. That's what's insane. You pull the thoughts in, and then you bitch about, oh, why are they orbiting around me? That's part of the obsession. Why is, doesn't it seem like it? You're in conflict right from the get-go. The barnacle, the rock is going this to the barnacles. Come hither, come hither. And then when the barnacle arrives, I, I hate the barnacles. <laughs> Shit, there's no way out. That's what's so good. Your mind loves to get out and get in things, doesn't it? It's all it's doing all day, getting in and out. There's no way out because you were never in it. This mental process has no purpose. It has purpose working on cars, you know, making appointments, but it has no purpose on this level at all, except to bind you to the idea of being a self, to bind your attention and interest, the awareness that you are to the idea of being a self, so that the awareness, every time it's manifesting and doing what it does, which is to have contact, it's claimed as you having the contact. The same thing that's freedom is being used to bond you by the mental process. It's mind-boggling. So, I love this message because when I heard it, I could entertain, I could be free, finally. I don't have to therapize it. I don't have to socialize it. I don't have to civilize it. I can lose interest in it. <laughs> that was the greatest of all. Just lose interest in it. It's boring as hell. Yes, isn't it? When someone you don't know, it, someone you don't know as you comes over, it could be anyone, as long as it's not known as you, it's boring mostly what they share with you. It really is. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, Jesus Christ, I've heard this thousands of times, but you've heard it millions of times a year. Why is it so novel up here? 
Because it's about you, you, you. That's the juice. That's the gravitational pull. That's the whole... That's it. When this shifts, your whole world will seem to shift. Because every meaning you give everything will change. Just maybe a little bit, but that little bit makes a whole new world for you. getting feisty now. I thought I was going out there and came back. <laughs> it's like it's like a download constantly. It only arises when there's someone who may wants to listen to it. It's funny, eh? That's the whole thing. It's like a, it's like a trained little pet. It just I come in a room, I no, I'm not thinking about anything. And there's an intention. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to it. I've I've never missed a meeting. I've been to every meeting I've been at. I've been listening to every one of them. Yeah, because there's nuggets in there. There's a feeling in there. There's a sense of freedom you can't entertain here as a self. Yeah, it's a flavor that's brought from somewhere else. Yeah, that drops in with a message like this, and then you get and it rekindles something. You sense something that is known but not knowable, but it's known, yeah? You know, it's like an unspoken yes. It's sort of something that hits you somewhere. You can't put your finger on it, but that, it's like an incredible benign growth. It just grows, yeah? And it, it's like that, in, you know, Chuck C. in The New Pair of Glasses, an old AA book. It's not AA, actually, a guy in AA called The New Pair of Glasses by Chuck Chamberlain. I always loved that statement because, to me, I think alcoholism is like a pair of glasses, yeah? It's a way of looking that we were seemingly saddled with. And it created a lot of distortion. Obviously, it's a disease of perception and thought, yeah? So false evidence can appear real. I mean, it does an incredible distortion. To make to allow false evidence to appear real is an incredible distortion. You have to understand, you know? To, and to continually produce false evidence that's appearing real to the person is really a mind-boggling endeavor. So the, the lenses are really distorted, like super Coke bottles, yeah? And so we're living life with this, and what happens is we want relief, yeah? Which is part and parcel of the disease. So we get the relief, but the relief is its fuel, yeah? The parasite likes alcohol and drugs. It creates a lot of juice to really paint a dramatic picture out here. And we can't seem to get out of it because we can't entertain their glasses, we actually think, well, this is the way I look at things. I, Paul, look at things. So we come to AA, and they give us another pair of glasses. And we put them on the first pair of glasses, and AA's glasses start correcting the distortion of the first pair of glasses. So we're not, now we have an acronym for the first pair of glasses activity, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. And we learn, by putting these new pair of glasses on, about the distortions of the first pair of glasses, Yes? And it works pretty well. But the thing is, the real message is, if it's a really good system, it should become, in a sense, obsolete, where you take both pair of glasses off. Yeah? And then you see naturally, like you were when you were a kid. You start seeing naturally. You don't need so much uh, lens ch changing. You just realize, and then when you need to, you've got the glasses available, yeah? But not to have to wear them all day. And you become like a free-range alcoholic, yeah? You don't need to be near the, you don't need to be near the coop anymore. You can have a life. 
you can roam around without getting arrested and fucked up constantly. You can have some kind of, you don't have to be supervised. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's a nice thing. And then if you need, to, something goes wrong and the selfing arises, you got the glasses. Put them on, correction occurs. But hopefully any correction will lead to freedom. Yeah, freedom. Yeah, so. Anyway, uh, that's it, eh? Does anybody have any questions? But uh, before we do the questions, uh, we're going to pass the basket. <coughs> and just so everybody knows, this isn't sort of a regular pass the basket, like a regular meeting where taking a collection to cover Paul's expenses for coming here from California and for being here and stuff. So keep that in mind. And anyone wants, did anyone hear about the shirts we sell here? I thought most of you came for that reason, maybe. Yeah. Well, we have some nice shirts. I think I'm wearing one. Oh! Who planned this? I tried to go to the gym and brought in the chest out, but it didn't work out. Oh, yes. What's your name? Kevin Paul. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. We're taking this place tonight. Actually, it's the same. No, it's the same company. He found the company. Yeah.